Uh, I'm going to be teaching today from um, Luke chapter 15, uh, a familiar text that you've probably heard a story from uh, or a sermon from or uh, you've read it before in your life. Um, we, we, I guess the beginning of the summer, we did 40 days of prayer together in just a prayer challenge. And something that comes along with that, that we've been kind of bringing to the forefront is, hey, there's a lot of testimonies in that. So we've just been trying to share testimonies of what happened on our mission trip and, and what God did through that 40 days. Uh, and we're just so excited about it and thrilled with that. And as, and as many stories are out there of, of the breakthrough that people have seen, as many stories as there are like that, there's other stories in which nothing's changed. It's just the same like it was. I've been pressing through, and at, at one point I, I saw a light at the end of the tunnel, but eventually as time wears on, we begin to lose hope, and we kind of settle back into where we've always been. And, and I just want to share from my heart on a very familiar text that you might know as the lost son or the prodigal son, but I believe that God's going to help us see this in a very different way this morning and give us a new lens to look at this text. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read all the way through the whole um, uh, prodigal son parable. Um, Jesus has just shared two other parables, so he's kind of, he kind of shares them all together in Luke chapter 15, the, 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 the parable of the lost coin as well as the lost sheep. And here we have uh, the parable of the lost son. So let's begin with verse uh, 11, and we'll read through verse 32 so that we've all got scriptural context for where we're at here and how Jesus tells the story. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine, bad timing for him in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed his pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, but here I am starving to death. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son and make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Now let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he 
uh, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered um, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. I'm thankful for God's word to us this morning. I just want to share just a simple, straightforward teaching out of this text, just simply entitled, Don't Settle. Don't Settle. Um, praying about what God wanted to speak into us this morning, and, and that phrase just kept reverberating, don't settle, don't settle. Um, and the first really thing that I saw through this text that I feel like God wanted us to hear this morning is don't settle for your timeline. Don't settle for your timeline. There was, there was a time that was normal that the younger son would get his inheritance would get his share, but he didn't want that timeline. And we're the same way. We want it in our time. And we live in this instant society with instant streaming, instant downloads, you know, instant one-click shopping. And, and we're wired this way now. I was trying to, uh, years ago, before they closed the Blockbuster down the street, I was trying to explain to my son what Blockbuster was. So I'm like, all right, there's one left in town. Let's go to it. You have to experience this so that when you're my age, you'll be like, one time I went to a Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I, I took Beckett, but I haven't taken, Camden was too, too little. I don't even know if he was still alive um, or if he was alive, not still alive. If he was alive yet. Um, when that blockbuster shut down. So now I've got to explain it to him. And I, and I think I've figured out how to explain it to him. Like, son, just imagine a Netflix world that you could walk in and there were just every, the movies were just everywhere and you could go up and touch the movies and you could just, and you could take it home with you. It's an interactive Netflix. I'm trying to explain this to him because we're so used to the instant. Like that's our world now. I mean, there's a lot of joy. Like, I mean, you just think of the nostalgia you feel about that right now. Like, oh man, that was so cool. It's a big part of my teenage years is going to rent the movie for Friday night at the house and deciding whether I want to do a one-day or a three-day rental, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just trying to figure out, can, will I get it back in time? You know, so but we, live in this, we live in this culture. I mean, our, 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 we learn, we, we're naturally, we feel like this. Like our, our youngest daughter, she's... Um, um, 23 months. She'll, one month from today, she'll be two. And so she is um, beautiful and sweet and so feisty and so sharp and she wants it and she wants it now. And she will tell her brothers, cut it out now. Like she has heard that before and she can repeat that. She's in that phase. Like God bless us for the next year. We are starting two-year-olds. So um, but so we get that naturally. There's there's something in all of us that wants it now. Like I'm living this personally. Like some of you don't know about this, but we've launched an expansion campaign and we're going to be renovating starting next month, renovating our whole lot, like front half of this building, renovating it completely um, 
changed from what it looks like now. A lot more restrooms, a lot more space, way better cafe uh, serving area, hospitality, guest services area. And then we're going to be building on this back pad. And so there's just a lot. I've just been in building plans. Like my head's stuck in those for months and, and I'm over it. Like, and I'm just wanting it to happen now. And I shared with our board a couple months ago, actually. And I said, guys, like, I, I don't want my timing. Like, I really don't. I want, I want God's timing. I, God's timing is going to be perfect because he's going to get more glory out of it if it happens in his timing. I'm going to be refined in his image more if, if it happens in his timing. I, I just want to tell you, don't settle for your timeline. But Romans 8, 5 says, those that have their minds set on the flesh will, will do what the desires of the flesh is. But, but those that have their... Um, uh, those that live in accordance with the spirits have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And I just want to ask you this morning, where do you have your mind at on a daily basis? Whether it's a big project like I, I've got on my lap right now, or maybe it's just the day-to-day of traffic, you know? I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, um, we don't have too many tornadoes here in town, but there was a tornado that ripped through our neighborhood and was pretty gnarly. I mean, it, it put a lot of damage just kind of north San Jose, Hendricks Avenue, San Marco area, uh, just a half mile south of our house. And, and I just remember the night. I'll never, never forget it. Uh, I just, you know, you get the buzz on your phone about the tornado. Uh, and this is just daily life stuff. And Taryn was wanting to go out to the grocery store about the time that I, I think we got there. I think she was planning on going right before it. And she'd be going right through the path of this tornado. And tornadoes just spring up out of nowhere. Um, and, and we're just not used to them here. And so the time that she was supposed to go is apparently when this tornado struck right through where she would have been passing. And that probably means nothing to you or does nothing to you. But in my life, after that tornado came through and we got out and drove and, and we went together, um, it was incredibly eerie and feeling just knowing that, that that little decision of not timing when we wanted to leave, but God's timing um, changed uh, everything about the health of Taryn. And this is where this younger son was. He didn't want his timeline. He rushed it. He tried to shortcut it. And I think, I think that's where many of us are. We want what God wants for us because we know what he has is better, but we just want it in our time. And, um, and there's a couple things that I, I need to share with you on, on why that's a bad idea and why we've got to set our mind on what the Spirit desires and what God desires. Because when we rush God's timing, first of all, we sin by not trusting in Him. Because when we're not trusting in Him, we're trusting in ourselves, pride, right? So that's what's really going on. So first of all, it is a sin to try to rush and shortcut God's plan by doing it in our time. Because I'm, I'm trusting in my stuff and not and not his, and not his plan. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we, we actually mit, bypass what God is trying to do in us and teach us while we're waiting. Uh, Pastor Rich Valadas, one of my favorite preachers, shared it this way. Many times what God is trying to do in us while we're waiting is more important than what we're waiting for. Um, and if, if we get... And so in this, not only are we um, missing where God, where we're going, but we're, we're missing out on who we're supposed to be becoming in the process too. 
Not, not only will we miss out on where he's taken us and where we're supposed to be going, his plan for our life, but we're actually going to miss out on what he's developing in us. We bypass that. We short circuit what God was going to teach us in this season. And here's the thing about what God is trying to do in us. He's going to teach it, us it, to it, us somehow. It, it's just a matter of whether we take the easy way or the hard way. I tell my son all the time, do you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? And, and, and it's kind of a, a funny thing because really neither of them are easy, right? <laughs> because the slow way is hard too, but, but I, I feel like if we'll, if we'll live with the internal tension and pruning that's taking place, we will bypass the consequences that are external. Amen. But when we bypass the internal, we're going to deal with the external Later, And so just let that be a, a forewarning for you, for somebody, or, or just a healing for what's gone on when you try to do it in your time, and God's going to do something far better. And we're going to miss out on God's perfect plan for our life. And I don't have a, another whole sermon to go into about permissive will of God and perfect will of God. We can't do that, for those of you that know what I'm talking about. But I, I do want to tell you that God has a perfect plan for your life, and it's going to happen through submission and trusting in His timing and he'll make everything good like he will he will he will turn the brokenness of our life and our bad decisions like he did with the son he'll come home and he'll throw you a party um, but we've got to we've got to trust him to get his very best for our life in this season so I just want to ask you are you willing to wait for God's best in your life like his his very best in your dating life single adults his very best, his very best in your um, next career move? Are you, are you willing to, to wait for his very best? Are you willing to wait for that next ministry opportunity you've been looking for? Are you willing to wait and trust in him? And I just want to encourage you, don't settle for your timeline because his is perfect. His timing is perfect. Uh, the second thought here um, is, is don't settle in your past. Don't settle in your past. This, uh, I, I think as you look at this text, I, I don't know that I've ever given it enough play of, of really where that son was and the decision he made to come home. I think our attention is always drawn to the father and him going out and running and, and, and as it should be, like, right? We, we should have our attention there. But I think we miss out on this son who has, has taken his... Um, his inheritance, which was culturally, this was a slap in the face of his father. I mean, really culturally, you don't get that even now. You don't get that before uh, your father or, or um, a parent passes away. It happens after they pass away. And at this time, he was slapping his father in the face. Like, that's kind of what he was doing. It was, he, he could have just said, I wish you were dead. I mean, it's very intense kind of imagery of how, what he was communicating to his father in this, and, and he runs, and he goes as far as he can, and he takes all of the money, and he parties hard, right? Like, we don't know how much it was, but he parties hard until it's all gone, until it's all gone, and then now he's a slave. Like, he's, a, he's somebody else's servant working, and he's feeding the pigs. Like, that's, anybody ever fed pigs? There's somebody in the room? No, nah, a bunch. Okay, one, one. Rest of y'all city folk. City folk like me, you know, and he's looking at it. And the, do you think about how hungry you've been before? Have you ever been that hungry where you're looking at pig slop and you're like, that looks good? I am that hungry. Um, but we get there spiritually, don't we? 
um, where I'm just looking for something to fill this void. And we get there because we haven't realized that we are a son and a daughter. We were an heir all along. We just needed to receive our position in his grace in our life and walk in faith and confidence. Um, This son ran hard. and, and, And I think we don't give enough attention that he sat there looking at that slop one day. And there was a day that came and he said, I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I'm sick of covered in mud. I'm sick of looking at these stupid pigs. And we don't know the time elapsed. Jesus doesn't give us a ton of detail. Um, but we can, there's some time there where he's gone away. A famine has begun. So that doesn't begin overnight, right? He's, he's been gone for a while. And eventually, he's probably up to his ankles in mud, looking at pods, what these pigs are eating. And he's like, I'm sick of it. And in this moment, it's not just being sick of it. It's making a decision. Am I too proud to repent and go home? I think that's where a lot of us have found ourselves before. We know we're sick of it, but are we too proud to say, I've fallen and I've missed the mark and I've been foolish and greedy and I've run I'm missing out. I, I just want to go back home and I don't even need to be a son anymore. I'll be a, a servant in my dad's house. But I'm going back home and, and this decision that's made, and I think it's important to recognize that because, uh, because God never left. He was always in the same place. That, you, that we leave him when we get too busy with our to-do list, as Taryn would say, when we decide to do things in our own foolishness and greed and when we rush the timeline of things. God's right where we left him. Scriptures say, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And that's the same picture we see here is that when the son is coming home, not when you've all the way got home, he didn't run out to you, but also not while you're still in the mud. You made a choice there. Say, I'm sick of it. Like I'm going home. And it's the pursuit and it's direction. I think a lot of times we're we're trying to focus on perfection when, when God is really looking at our direction, right? I think we get obsessed with our perfection, like, oh, I still got some mud on me, and I still, I'm still struggling with, with this, and like, no, no, where, but where's your direction? And what happens when we're so obsessed with perfection is this shame that comes that says, I'm not even worthy to be a son anymore. But what we don't realize in that is we're actually, we, we, had, we don't understand the gospel, is really what it is. Because the gospel says that it's not about our perfection. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. It's, it's not about your perfection. It, it's, it's about the Father's heart for you and what he did in Jesus Christ to make a way for you to have union and relationship with him and delight yourself in him. And, and so I just want to speak that to someone who has fallen this week, right? Maybe it was your temper took the best of you, kind of fell back into the addiction, nobody knows about it, whatever. Um, and, and, and God's not looking for perfection, okay? And that doesn't mean you need to kind of go back into those things. But it's direction, and we got to cover ourselves from the shame that will be thrown back on us that says, I'm not um, a, a son, I'm not an heir, and, and we are. And so I love what Isaiah 42, 9 speaks to us in this text. Behold, the former things have come to pass. It happened 
You are in the mud up to your knees. It, it, it happened. But new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He's saying it's, it's coming. There's just this, I'm going. It's going to happen. Like Terrence said, I'm going to go out in the rain and, and trust the Lord. And so I just want to ask you this morning, if, if you're carrying in an, an unworthy mindset or a, um, a shame on you, um, maybe, maybe you're in a place where you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Say, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of looking at the pods. I'm sick of feeding pigs. Maybe you've got some mud that you need to wipe off of you that's in the past. Um, and I just want to tell you this morning, don't settle in your past because God defines your future. Maybe there's some pride that you need to crucify in your life, some pride that needs to be ripped out that says, you know, I really need to repent to God and to that person. I need to ask for forgiveness, but I'm I'm too proud, and so we stay in the shame of what we did. I'll, just let, I'll leave it there. Don't settle, um, third, don't, don't settle in your negativity. Don't settle in your negativity. Come on, anybody ever get in a mood? <laughs> anybody get in a little mood? Um, things have been going good, but then I find myself just in negative Nancy. Taryn had to slap me around a little bit, not physically. <laughs> Yesterday, because of, not physically, you know what I mean, just talking. <laughs> I was like, do you not feel the same way? And she's like, no. Like, no, I don't feel the same way. And you know when, like, you're looking for affirmation? Like, get down in here. I'm like, my negative attitude, please come. <laughs> and join me in this pity party. Um, and I want to turn our attention to the, to the older son. He's kind of the, the, like the, the least character we actually look at here, but I think it's vitally important that we, we talk about this older son. Because I think we've all been here. And if you're not here yet, you'll be here. Um, Jesus, when he's talking about the older son, he's talking about the Pharisees is who he's talking about. And most of us, anybody that knows anything about the Pharisees who are these like religious, this religious group who like are all focused on the laws and Jesus is like, I fulfilled the law. Um, and, and so they have a difficult time with this and they really persecute Jesus and and do everything they can to make his life miserable. And, and Jesus is really speaking to them about this older son and I know most of us will say, no, 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 I'm not a Pharisee. No, I'm not a Pharisee. No, just slow down. Slow down. And let's look, we, we've all been an older son. We're doing everything right. I've been working in the field. Maybe this is at your job. Somebody got promoted over you. Come on, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you feel, I've been doing everything right. And then it happens and there's just this anger inside of us. And we're like, where is this coming from? And it's coming from... This big, fat, ugly word that it's not just millennials and whatever the generations are after that that deal with, all of us deal with it, entitlement. Entitlement. Because we think that he should get what he deserves and I should get what I deserve. And if that is true in our heart, we actually believe in karma, not in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you heard out of, out of your own mouth, well, they deserved it? Well, that's what you get. Come on. If we're going to have a Jesus lens here, if we look through the gospel, I, I love these texts. Like There's this one about the parable of the vineyard in, in which it, uh, Jesus tells the story of, of a man who owned a vineyard and he hired one man at the beginning of the day and said, I'll pay you a full day's wage if you'll come work for me. 
Cool, sounds like a good deal. He works all day, and the last hour, the vineyard owner hires another man, and he says, I'll pay you a whole day's wage for this last hour of the day. And the man who's been working all day says exactly what, I've been here all day. Like, that's not fair. He doesn't deserve that. And the vineyard owner, as Jesus tells the story, he's like, what business of, it, of yours is it? I gave you exactly what I promised you. You have exactly what you need and what I promised you. And, and I wanted to do this. What, this had nothing to do with you. This had to do with my grace and my love for the older son or for the other that, in, in, in the other parable that, that I hired. And so we've got, we've got to look and, and hear ourselves to where we really have this, this karma gospel, which is, and Jesus, Jesus confronted this dead on because it's, some of you know, it's like the Hammurabi code, like an eye for an eye. And Jesus said, you've heard it said. And Jesus said, but I say, you've heard the old way, but this is, this is the new, this is the gospel. It's that none of us are worthy. Amen. None of us deserve it. The older son doesn't deserve a party either. He's just kind of sitting in his, well, this is what I deserve. Where's my goat, daddy? You know? And we've got those things in our heart too. Some days it's like, well, where's my party? Where's somebody going to say, recognize what I've been doing in the field? I don't care if that's in your job, in your home, in your marriage, or in the church. It happens all over the place. I mean, can you just, just think about this in the real context of real life for a second? Like, think about what that does in my marriage when I'm not constantly comparing, well, she, she doesn't deserve me to go out and do that. You know, I don't, I don't do it. I'm not communicating love because of, of deserve. It's because I want. And, and I, I think you look at this in a church environment. Like what if like we all felt that like oh, we're constantly like just clawing at, her, at each other and just trying to get ours and not loving and celebrating. And, and this is what I think we need to hear out of this text is when we carry this entitlement mindset, we can't afford to, to, to settle into this negativity because we'll miss out on the party. We're going to miss out on the party. And I love the way one of my professors in college would communicate this about this text. He said, the oldest son was close enough to hear the music, but not close enough to dance. And so many, so many of us in the church, in the body of Christ, we've got this Pharisee spirit. We've got this older brother spirit that I can hear the music going on, what everybody's celebrating. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad somebody got baptized. Cool. But am I, but am I dancing? Am I celebrating with my brother? Am I celebrating with my church when God does miracles? Am I celebrating with my family? We just find ourselves in this negativity, and, and the hard part is we're missing out on the party. I mean, there's this whole thing in our culture of fear of missing out, Right? <laughs> We don't want to miss out on the party of God. Because this, this is imagery. This could be connected to uh, the, the party that, that Jesus will throw for us in eternity. The, the wedding supper that he has prepared for us. This is just a symbol of that. And that is just pointing us to that. It's all leading to that in which none of us will be welcomed in because of what we did, but because of what Jesus Christ did. 
And so don't settle in that negativity because you're going to miss out on the party. And lastly, the band can come. Um, uh, last thing I want to share here is don't settle for prodigals as slaves. Don't settle for prodigals as slaves. It's, it's hard kind of as time goes on, we kind of get to a place and, and we lose the light at the end of the tunnel. We stop praying for that sibling or that parent or that child that they would come home because we just, well, well they made their decision. They're going to they're gonna live with it. And I just want to encourage you, don't settle for prodigals as, as slaves. I mean, we turn our attention to the father here and when he sees the sun coming around the corner, he wasn't inside. He wasn't somewhere else. He was waiting. He was waiting, eyes on that corner when he just turned around that tree and he saw him. And if, if you know anything about the cultural context of what a man with an estate would wear, he'd wear like a long kind of cloak and, and you didn't want to show your feet. I mean, you think, I mean, dudes, just think about wearing kind of a long dress, like a long ankle dress, okay? Um, and it was shameful for you to lift up and show your legs. But if it was any kind of tight around your knees, you would have to lift that up in order to run. I mean, just, sorry, it's, it's, it's weird for us to think about that, but that's the culture of what they were doing. And the, the father would have had to lift up this into Shame from everybody else. It did not matter what everybody else thought. It didn't matter who was going to complain about it. He was, he was running after his son and he kissed him. And there's all this symbolic stuff we can talk about in there. But I just want you to hear the, I just want you to feel and see the father's heart in this. Uh, all my kids are younger, seven and younger. And so we haven't gotten to curfew stage. Um, but some of you parents are past curfew stage or you're living in curfew stage. Um, and I just always think of a, of, a, of a parent when their child has been out past when they were supposed to, hours past when they were supposed to. Maybe they stayed the night somewhere and they weren't supposed to and you didn't hear anything and you're worried sick. And then finally, I just, you know, you always see in the, in the movies, that's like my reference for teenage stuff right now, you know. Um, and, and what's the, usually the posture of the parent? If you were the parent, what would be your posture? Huh. Where you been? Yeah, our kids would probably hope that's what we do. <laughs> you know, as soon as they walk in the door, we're probably laying into them. That's not the image we get here from Jesus of how the Father sees us when we come around the corner. Thankful you're alive. Just thankful you made a decision and you got sick of the mud and you got sick of the pods and you hungered to come home as a son. And I just want you to know today you're not gonna be my slave. We're throwing you a party, buddy. Like it's just a whole different image. And what if we like what if we actually treated other people like that? What if and I'm not saying we don't put we don't discipline our kids and there's not consequences to actions and all that stuff. But what if we had the, this heart of grace and perspective and leading our families and, and at work and, and that grace is so freely given because it's been so freely received? You can live like that. I mean, just it changes the culture of homes and, and jobs and cubicles and families. 
Um, and not, not just that, like, Father didn't just go out for the prodigal. He went out for the Pharisee too. I think we miss this a lot of times. The father left the party in order to come and to the older son too, who's angry and who's bitter and who's standing outside the party. Like, I'm not going in. Forget it. I'm not going to celebrate him. Where's my go? I'm just angry. How many times have you been in that place? Maybe you're there today. Maybe you've been there kind of with church and you're just kind of sitting on the outside and just kind of going through the motions of religious stuff. And I just want you to know Jesus is coming to you too. He's not just, he's not just celebrating. He's dying for you to just come in and celebrate with everybody. And so his heart's not just for the prodigal, it's for the Pharisee too. And I think so, so many times we miss that. And, and in our culture and in our city, Jacksonville, Florida, y'all, there's a lot of both. It, it stands in the top, you know, 40 probably cities of, uh, I forget what the exact statistic is, of most irreligious cities and most religious cities. You know what that ends up having? A lot of prodigals and a lot of Pharisees. A lot of people who have been in the church, but now they're standing outside of the church, they're sitting outside of the church and angry and they won't go into the party. And my heart's for all of them because God's heart is for all of them. And so um, I want to challenge and encourage you this morning to, to don't settle for prodigals as slaves because they're born to be heirs, not to be slaves, not to be angry siblings outside of the city. I just want to know, would, will you be willing to sacrifice to see them come home? Will you be willing to go after them and run towards them regardless of what the optics are? Are you willing to swallow your own pride and come home if you've been running? Are you willing to say, I'm, I'm sick of it? I don't know where you're at today, but I'm, I'm guessing you see yourself somewhere in the story, past, present, or future. And, uh, and I think God wants to speak to us today and meet us where we're at. I want to ask you to stand. And this band's going to lead us this morning. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word that is so sharp to our souls, God. I don't even feel like I need to preach anything on top. I just need to just teach what you tell us, God, and just tell the story. Because it's your story that we are in love with, God. And you are weaving us in, in your perfect will, in your perfect way. God, I thank you that you are You've gathered together this group of people in this time. We've got some of us have some, some mud still on us. Some of us have a mountain of pride that we've got to confront. That we're sitting on the outside of the party or we're knee deep in mud and slop. And God, for the Pharisee in the room, for the prodigal in the room, for the younger brother in the room, for the older sister in the room, God, I pray that we would see your heart, your perspective, that you are in love with both of us and you want both of us to be inside to celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. In these next few moments, this band's going to lead us and I want to invite you to come. 
to come make this an altar, come to the cross, come up here and maybe confess. I'm sick of the mud. I'm sick of the anger on the outside of the party. And I think there's something, and a lot of times we, we don't do like a, a, an altar call type of thing, but I, but I think there's something significant when we move. Communicate something that I'm coming home, I'm leaving the past in the past, and I'm going towards God's future for my life. And as this band leads us, I'm gonna pray and invite you to come. God, thank you for this time. And I just pray that you would just have your way in these next few moments, that that pride, that insecurity, that fear would not conquer us anymore, God, but we would walk fully into the future, God, that, that the frustrating time of things working, God, is over, God, because we are settled in what you are doing in this time in our life and what you have for our lives as heirs of your kingdom. And we thank you